Hello and welcome to the Cultivate Health and Beauty podcast. I'm Beck and I'm Amy and we're your hosts, creators of the Cultivate Beauty blog and the Get Glowing online course. We believe that beauty starts with inner health, the kinds of foods we put into our bodies as well as our mindset and daily habits. On this podcast, we're here to chat with you about natural health, well-being, lifestyle and everything in between. And now on to today's episode. Hi guys, welcome back to the Cultivate Health and Beauty podcast. I'm Beck speaking and Amy is here as well with her cup of tea. Hey guys. So I am drinking red raspberry leaf tea today. And I've got chai tea. So red raspberry leaf is a good one for the end of pregnancy, FYI. Apparently it tones the uterus. Yeah. Anything that like potentially makes it easier to birth the baby. Yeah, why not? And but, I'm, drink, um, <laughs> I'm drinking chai tea because I need a little bit of caffeine. <laughs> yeah. So today we are sitting down to record a podcast for you guys all about habits that hurt gut health. So a lot of these are like really, really common habits that, you know, a lot of people do them. Yeah. Um, just a part of their every day. And it's sort of like if you do the opposite of the habits, then they're kind of like things you can do to improve gut health as well. <laughs> mm. Well, there a lot of them are really easy things to stop doing. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to be diving into that today. And um, we did actually write a blog post on this subject, but today we are covering those topics plus a bunch of other habits that uh, were not included in that post. So yeah. There are quite a few points that we're going to run through. I think there's about eight different habits that we're going to be talking about. Yeah. And before we get started with today's podcast, we also want to mention that our gut health course, Get Glowing Online, has reopened for enrollment. So we are running another intake for July 2018. And we're going to be open for around two weeks to take on new members. Mm. So if you're not already familiar with Get Glowing Online, we actually have a whole podcast episode that is dedicated just to filling you guys in on what that course is all about. But just quickly, it is our gut health course. So we take you step by step through all of the things that you need to know to heal and support your gut health. Mm. So from food to supplements to lifestyle hacks. And we have a meal plan and there's videos, how to make ferments, all that good stuff. And we also have live Q&As and a private Facebook community for members of that course. So yeah, definitely check out the dedicated podcast if you want to learn more or you can head to www.getglowing.online and we have like everything is on that page. We also have a video there where we're sitting there and like telling you guys about the course. (laughs) So you can check that out. And we are running a 25% discount for the next week. Mm. And that will end on the 24th of June at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Yeah, so that's a really good deal. So that's on our basic membership. So that brings the price down to about 97 US dollars, which is a really good deal. Yeah, and we have a few different bundles in there. So you can also bundle that basic membership with some of our ebooks. So if you're looking for more recipes... Mm. Uh, and also coaching. So if you want that extra level of support from Amy or I, we can do that as well. Uh, anything else to add? So our final closing date. Yeah, should final, mention that. <laughs> our final closing date. Um, so enrollments are closing on the 1st of July at 5 p.m. Pacific time. So 
will be kind of kicking off at the beginning of July. Yeah, and... I mean, I don't want to be like panic stations about this, Mm. but realistically, Amy and I genuinely are not sure when we're going to have time to reopen, get glowing online, given that in August, I will be giving birth and Amy has a lot going on with finishing up uni and all of that. A lot of business plans and things that are going to have to come together in the next couple of months and a baby in the mix and everything. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) It's like we actually have no idea when we're going to reopen. Yeah. <laughs> Could be a little while. We don't yeah, know. See, normally we reopen every like three months or so, but it could be a little bit longer of a gap. Who knows? Mm. They say raising a child is quite hectic in those first... The first year will be... Yeah. So <laughs> that's the story with that. So if you want to be part of our July intake, definitely check out the site, check out the podcast, uh, and we're closing again by... Uh, the 1st of July, 5pm Pacific time. <laughs> okay, so if you again, if you guys want to find out all the deets about the course, you can head to www.getglowing.online. But for now, I think we'll get started with the episode topic for today. So that is about, I think it's eight habits that hurt gut health. We're going with eight today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll get started with the first one, which is eating too often. Um, so this is a really, really common habit to have Mm. kind of the constant all day grazing. Yeah. So if you're snacking constantly throughout the day, you know, you have breakfast, then a few mid morning snacks, lunch, mid afternoon snacks, dinner, Mm. you you know, you're just constantly taxing your digestive system. Especially the kind of eating where honestly, it's just like boredom grazing. Mm. If you're legitimately hungry, it's a different story because you're getting all of those messages that your body's asking for food Mm. and you're producing sufficient stomach acid and digestive enzymes. It's like you're fully prepped. Mm. But if you're just mindlessly kind of shoveling the food in. Yeah. The body's not necessarily really even ready for that incoming food. It's just. It's just coming. (laughs) It's a constant stream. (laughs) Which is really easy to do, especially like when you're working, you're a bit bored or. I'm pretty sure everyone has that moment where they walk to the pantry and they're just looking for food, Mm. but you're not hungry, you're just boredom eating. And I mean, I don't want to say that we're like amazing, we never do this, because that wouldn't be true. I think like on some level, everybody can kind of fall victim to the whole boredom eating at times, Mm. Um, but it's just kind of reining that in and not going nuts. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people associate it with, you know, things like weight gain Mm. and things like that but it's actually also just taxing to the Mm. digestive system so um, that's just something to keep in mind and look if you are actually going back for snack after snack it could be that you're not eating enough at meals not enough protein Mm. um, you're not really satisfied so that's another thing to consider yeah Uh, and that's actually why as well intermittent fasting is so good for digestion yeah Um, kind of gives it that time to reset Yeah, so it finally gives our digestive system some time to, like, not be working Mm. and can be repairing. Yeah, so it's like rather than using all of that energy to constantly digest your food, we can use it to actually repair Mm. our gut. Yeah, and do other cool things as well, just clean up our cells cells and kind of sweep the... Sweep the floor, (laughs) (laughs) so to speak. It's just like a tidy up. Yeah. Um, So that is another benefit to doing uh, intermittent fasting. So our second habit that can hurt gut health, and this is pretty similar, is Mm. 
uh, mindless eating or eating too fast. So I guess we'll talk more about eating too fast. Yeah, well, it's essentially what we've already spoken about. It's kind of like eating mindlessly and eating before your body has really registered that food Mm. is coming in. So we know that the first stage of digestion actually begins in the mouth. But I think you could even go even before that is like seeing and smelling the food. Mm. So like that, even just the seeing and smelling of food is like triggering that saliva production. It's like the whole uh, hormonal cascade that has to happen for our body to be Mm. you know prepped to actually eat and produce all the enzymes we need to break down the food and the stomach acid and all of that good stuff yeah and it's really common nowadays to sort of you know open a packet of something or just start munching on something while you're checking your phone or watching tv so your mind is like quite distracted from the act of eating yeah and also it's quite common uh and you know we all do this at times is just really wolf down the food like yeah you know, like do you ever really... like make a plate of something that's actually really delicious and you're looking forward to it and then you look down, you're like, where the hell did that go? I already ate the like whole I thing just in like five the, minutes. I ate like... the whole thing and I can't even like I can't even say that I really tasted or enjoyed that mm, as much as I should have because I was like scrolling yeah. on Instagram at the same time. You're just or... not really paying attention to the food. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't do much for our enjoyment of food, but it also doesn't do much for our digestion because we're kind of we're not really limiting. Prepped. Yeah. I feel like that can lead to just kind of maldigested mm. food particles, so not breaking your food down yeah, as well or, as you should have. Yeah, and like another, like maybe a little bit more extreme than mindless eating would be eating when you're really stressed. Mm, that's and that worse, can lead yeah. to, you know, things like significant gut imbalances yeah. because you have, you know, these big chunks of food that are not very well digested and they provide food for opportunistic bacteria and things so Mm. um, really the aim of the game is to have good healthy stomach acid good healthy enzyme production good saliva like every Mm. stage of the breakdown of food is really optimized so that we're not getting you know overgrowths of all kinds of nasty things yeah you know one that people know about a lot is like candida Candida. yeah um, would be an example so yes Really like engaging with the food and so, giving our attention to our food is yeah a good habit to give it the <laughs> attention it deserves after you've spent so much time making it and preparing it. We might as well enjoy it and appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So the next one that we have is probably like a little bit controversial, but it's consuming too much caffeine. So it's kind of like two sides to the coffee story. So on one side, we do know that drinking coffee can support our gut Mm. um, because it does have polyphenols that act as prebiotics in the gut to feed our healthy beneficial gut flora yeah but on the other side we know that having too much caffeine can really tax our adrenals it Mm. can put us into a state of fight or flight which does not optimize gut health Mm. Um, it basically tells us to stop digesting we're going to run instead so all of those you know healthy secretions that we need along the digestive tract are kind of inhibited I suppose Mm. Um, and our motility can go out of whack so for some people that's it really speeds up yeah (laughs) or for some people it completely slows down so then we have like this really sluggish stagnant digestive tract yeah the other thing is a lot of caffeine on an empty stomach can mm. um, give people irritation. So 
especially if you get things like reflux or um, even like stomach ulcers and things. So yeah, it can really play into that. I mean, stomach ulcers can be a signal of something else. A signal yeah. of something else. It's not just about um, stress and whatnot, but caffeine onto an empty stomach can be a bit of a trigger there for people. And yeah, I mean, really, you know, you're overdoing it when, you know, you're having a lot of reliance on caffeine. <laughs> mm. When you need the caffeine to get you up in the morning. Yeah, or like, you know, it's it's, it's getting to a few cups a day. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, I mean, like, having a few coffees a day isn't the end of the world, but, yeah. I mean, I've been at different stages where I was probably drinking, like, five cups of coffee a day. Mm. Um, and I feel like that was probably overdoing it a bit. <laughs> yeah, especially, like, a lot of the times when you're drinking five cups a day, it's because you're really busy and mm. you think it's, like... I don't know. It's like the motivating factor keeping it's you going. Making productive. Um, but it's all sort of the spiral of being a bit stressed out. So, mm. you know, a nice cup of coffee when you're feeling calm and relaxed, it's all Ooh, good. It's not but going to be a problem. Yeah, it's just kind of breaking the habit where you're just having living on like, coffee. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we'll move on to our next habit, and it is sitting down all day. Yeah. So. This is like one of those ones that's not super obvious because we wanted to come up with some that are a little bit outside the box that mm. you may not have thought of before. And sitting all day is definitely one of them. And it's it's hard to avoid because a lot of us have office jobs where we're, you know, sitting down largely from nine to five. But yeah, um, getting up throughout the day as much as you can, taking breaks uh, is really going to help to counteract those sort of negative effects on digestion that we're going to talk about. So Amy, what does it do when you sit down all day? Well, quite guts. simply, <laughs> I just say that it leads to stagnation, it leads to mm. just poor digestive motility. Yeah, well, we're meant to be moving around, right? Yeah. So yeah, when you're sitting around, it's like everything's just I don't know the way that you're kind of sitting. I suppose it's like the your way that we just sit. The way that we sit, it's constricted. Like, uh, you know, your torso, all your organs are like um, quite compressed. Yeah, I notice that more now, actually, being pregnant because like mm. I can feel like you already feel compressed because there's a baby in there. Yeah. But when you sit down, it's much worse than when you're standing and walking around because mm. you can really feel that that constriction happens when you're in the sitting position. Mm-hmm. And we're not meant to be sitting all the time. We're meant to be standing running walking squatting yeah doing all these different uh sort of dynamic movements mm. and when you just sit all day yes yeah, you know nothing's nothing's moving along and everything's sort of constricted so if you do have issues with say constipation and poor gut motility definitely exercise walking just moving your body more mm. uh, is going to help yeah that doesn't even have to be like going out and sprinting around the block, you know? Yeah. It's just more um, being active throughout the day. So, like, mm. breaking up prolonged sitting. Yeah. Um, so, like, if you work in an office job, just making sure that you are getting up regularly, mm. I don't know, going up and down stairs or just kind of getting in some movement throughout the day to break up the sitting because yeah, yeah it doesn't like... help to do, like, a gym session in the morning <laughs> and then sit all day, if that makes no, sense. No, it's more about getting the movement in to like throughout the day yeah Yeah. and I mean other good ones to do would be like yoga a lot of Mm. the poses are really good for I guess almost like massaging the The internal organs 
even squatting, they say, mm. is good for that purpose. So, you know, as humans, we used to squat, like, all the time. Yeah. I don't mean, like, the halfway down squat, like, the proper... Like, the ass to the grass. <laughs> <laughs> the proper squat um, that you often see children doing, actually. Like, yeah. children will be playing with their toys, and they're actually in the deep squat position. <laughs> Uh, you know, like playing yeah. the trains on the ground and stuff. So uh, it comes like really naturally to us as humans. It's just as we grow older and we sit in chairs all the time. Just get stiff. We get all stiff and nasty and then we don't do it anymore. Yeah. So, so you heard it first. If you're in the office, you get out of your chair and squat. <laughs> ask the grass. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So our fifth habit, which contributes to poor gut health, is holding on to negative emotions slash being stressed out. Yeah, so we've already kind of talked about how stress can impact our digestive system. So we want to minimize that as much as possible. But the kind of sad thing about being human, like it's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time, Mm -hmm. is that we have like this gift of memory. So when something bad happens to us, we can just like relive it like forever. I know. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess here we want to talk about, you know, we know about stress, we know that we need to manage our stress, but one thing that we notice in ourselves and we see around a lot these days, you know, that really all of us struggle with is sort of holding on to things that are actually no longer in our immediate environment. Mm. Um, So that could be like irritating relationships (laughs) with, you know, certain family members or dramas that have happened at work that are no longer like in our life at this moment in time but we're reliving them and feeling angry about them uh that kind of thing like those sort of stresses that we impose upon ourselves and really you're just torturing yourself and damaging your own health yeah in the process of doing so (laughs) i know so obviously just avoiding stress like full stop as much as possible but that kind of toxic stress where you're holding Mm. on to something and you're not letting it go is really bad for digestion really bad for our health because we're not meant to really live with this chronic stress we're meant to sort of get a fright from something and run away and get like that fight or flight response and then it's done yeah it's not meant to linger on forever that's the kind of stress that can really start to eat away at you yeah so tools that you can use um, to let go of these kind of emotions most commonly we talk about things like meditation. Mm, um, that's a really good one. I think that's probably the best one other than, you know, you always feel good after exercise, I mm. think. If you're holding on to something petty, I feel like a good gym session always sort of yeah, blasts the cobwebs like out. Something really intense, like if I'm in a really crappy mood, if you force yourself to do like a 20-minute Tabata hit workout, <laughs> like you just... You're just, just too, you're too high on endorphins afterwards yeah. to even care about that stuff anymore. And you're like huffing and puffing and it's like, I don't, like I can't be focused on this situation that I'm angry about right now. Yeah. I'm just too focused on like surviving this workout. <laughs> <laughs> but then you feel good after it and you have your shower and I don't know, you just move on with life and you feel yeah. like. Kind of keeps the energy moving. Yeah. So. That is tip number five. Moving on, what have we got next, Amy? So these are like our extra ones that we haven't mentioned before. Um, so no They're s- a little bit more practical, I feel, yeah. than like the one we've just talked about. Well, the one <laughs> we just talked about was a little bit more... Um, deep. Yeah, we were diving deep on that one. So number six is taking painkillers and antibiotics too frequently, I suppose you could say. 
Because mm. I feel like these days, like, I'm not against painkillers or even antibiotics in certain situations. It's just the overuse that's going on mm. these days. So someone has, like, a really slight headache and they're reaching for ibuprofen. Mm. Or someone has a cold and they're taking antibiotics. Yeah. No. And that's really, really common. Um, it's really common. Like... I feel like Advil's and your Nurofen's, they get so mm. overused. Like, we'll talk about the painkillers first. Yeah. And I used to do this as well. Like, at the very onset of a headache, I'd be like, no. I'm going to nip this in the bud right now with painkiller. Yeah. I think it's because growing up, I'd had some really horrific headaches. I have no idea why. Um, I had some really bad headaches where I kind of learned that if you don't take the painkiller early enough, you're just kind mm. of screwed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I developed an attitude of as soon as I start feeling any pain of any kind, I just take an Advil. Yeah. And so I know a lot of people kind of do this. Uh, and I had no idea that it was just so mm. bad yeah. for my gut. Um, yeah, well, especially the um, ibuprofen. So ibuprofen is, I suppose, what we'd also call Advil and Nurofen. Mm. And it belongs to a class of drugs called non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, so NSAIDs for short. And that class of drugs in particular is known to affect our gut lining. So it can mm. overuse can lead to stomach ulcers. And it's also the reason why when you do take those drugs, you have to take them with food so that you're not putting that straight onto an empty stomach. Yeah. If you've ever done it before, you'll know that you do end up with burning and nausea mm. because you are essentially kind of... Especially like, um, I mean, Advil and Nurofen, you might get away with it one or two mm. times, but when you go for, like, say you get your wisdom teeth out or something mm. like that and you get an even amped up yeah. uh, painkiller and if you don't take that with enough food, you'll know you feel as sick as a dog. Well, I've done it with ibuprofen yeah. as well, like stupid Amy in the past taking it without <laughs> food when she didn't realise that she had to take it with food. Um, yeah, and I basically felt all nauseous. I'm like, oh, what's happening to me? Yeah, it's, yeah. So, I mean, as... if you if you do need to take it and, you know, once in a blue moon, it's appropriate. Mm. You, you're in a lot of pain. Uh, maybe you did a muscle in your back at the gym or, and you're mm. having a lot of inflammation and pain or you've got a really bad headache. Uh, it's just being mindful to kind of reserve the ibuprofen for those situations and mm. be really mindful to take it on a good full stomach after a meal yeah. or with a meal. Or even um, if the headache is not you know, intense, it would be preferable to choose like paracetamol over ibuprofen. I mean, paracetamol has its own yeah, issues as well, but it's not, it's not from that same drug class that is known to have effects on the gut. Mm. I used to take one of the paracetamol and the neurofin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make sure that you really knock it out. I had like all my bases covered, <laughs> but yeah, basically don't pop them like candies. Yeah. You'll get a stomachache. And the same with antibiotics. Um, um, they're so overprescribed. I'm really surprised that GPs will give them so willy-nilly. I mean, I'm sure not all of them do. But also I feel a lot of people go to their GP and say, oh, I've got a cold, but the cough is just lingering too long. I'm kind of mm. over it. Just give me antibiotics. And he'll, he or she yeah. um, will give it over. Um, and that's really devastating for our gut. Like it's a complete nuke to the system. Yeah. Well, and if it's not necessary, like if it's really just 
for a bit of convenience mm. or oh, I've got a bit of a post-nasal drip situation can we just yeah, it's like no yeah and I mean if you are having recurrent say sinus infections and things like that it's actually a signal that your immune system needs help and that your gut health needs help not antibiotics yeah so I mean we haven't even really spoken a lot about what antibiotics do but they basically kill off bacteria and we've got different types of antibiotics so some of them are very broad spectrum so they'll kill off many different species mm, and that's the one that they give you when they're not sure what's wrong with you it's like they're like yeah. we'll just kill a bit of everything and hope that it works and then when you come back with the uti and thrush and all the other things <laughs> that are going to come out of it mm. then we'll treat them with caniston oh God. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's a bit frustrating isn't it so, yeah, a lot of the time we're taking these antibiotics, it kills off one strain of bacteria or multiple, and mm. then it can lead to basically an opportunistic or a pathogenic type of bacteria taking up that spot or that resonance mm. that's yeah, open. Yeah, and our gut is such a sort of delicate balance or ecosystem. Mm. It's like just dropping a nuke on the rainforest yeah. of the Amazon. There are all these different species uh, that are independent what's the word interconnected interconnected or interdependent <laughs> um, yeah so some species feed other ones it's um, like so killing one affects many it's like a others. domino effect yeah i don't feel like it's necessarily like oh we're just killing off one it'll be fine it's like well how does that have a knock-on effect to everything in else? this whole <laughs> system yeah so you know even going back in and restoring that like how do you restore that because something sometimes things can't be recovered like and then it's just lost and that's why in a way a lot of us need to be on probiotics long term Mm. um, to be just constantly sort of replacing these probiotics Um, but that's sort of getting on to a technical (laughs) piece there but um, so basically you can really just do a lot of damage and it's not worth it if it's not a life-threatening situation or or something really serious yeah we can't see the benefit in taking antibiotics. So don't take antibiotics if you don't need them. Of course, there are situations where you do absolutely need antibiotics. Yeah. There's infection. You do need antibiotics. Mm. And you want to reserve it for those times yeah. as well because um, there's a lot of talk out there about you know resistant um, strains yeah. of bacteria, which is a real worry. Um, when we've used antibiotics to the point where they're ineffective and then something actually bad happens it's like the boy who cried wolf type of situation (laughs) when you actually need the help it's not going to be there for you anymore so i think we've covered that yeah so our (laughs) next one is another really practical one and it is the habit of eating sugar and refined carbs I'm going to call that a habit because a lot of people are adding sugar when they don't need to. Like a lot of people still are adding like sugar to their coffee or their tea. Mm, and that's like a really, well, I'm going to say it's an easy thing to cut out, but I, I know it is hard at first. Yeah. But everyone that I've ever spoken to who cut out sugar in their tea or coffee says, I can't believe that I used to drink that. Yeah. Because now that I have my coffee without sugar and I drink coffee, if I try a coffee with sugar, I just think it's disgusting. Yeah. So it's really just, you know, something where it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable for a while, but then you'll get used to the new normal and then you'll taste the sugary tea or coffee and go, yuck. Yeah. 
I mean, if you find it really hard, you could even start by swapping for something like stevia. Mm. I mean, some people hate the taste of stevia, so... It's up to you whether that helps you or, or not. Or you could just like really reduce the sugar down and then go to nothing. Just like wean yourself off slowly. Yeah, but that's just one example. So um, other examples, I mean, sugar and refined carbs is everywhere. Like it's very anything broad. in a packet, you have to kind of have your wits about you. Yeah, even you know, like the gluten-free products that are basically yeah. just refined carbohydrates as yeah. well. Because I think a lot of people do ask us, um, what we think about gluten-free products, like we, we talk about eating gluten-free for gut health, for overall health, uh, and people think, oh, well, I can just eat the gluten-free pasta and the gluten-free cookies and things. Mm. But at the end of the day, these products are still really highly refined, and that is mm. terrible for our gut health because, well, basically it provides food for all the nasty bacteria and yeast in there that are opportunistic Mm, especially if anyone has thrush or like candida mm. you'll know that the instant that you eat sugar it really can flare, get a flare up. up so yeah we can see just how mm. like available that food source is yeah to to building up sort of an imbalanced microbiome and it's like an unnatural form of carbohydrate because it's not saying that all carbohydrates are bad no, it's absolutely not yeah it's the refined super refined granulated sugar yeah well if you think of how we would normally receive carbohydrate it would be from plant foods yeah it's bound um, up with fiber and yeah. water and so the way that your like body would break mm. down the carbohydrate in a strawberry or a sweet potato yeah. you know it's, it's got all that fiber in there um, whereas you know something like a loaf of gluten-free bread it's just like milled up and totally destroyed like rice yeah and it's just concentrated into this form that you know just like wheat bread it's going mm. to convert. spike your blood sugar and convert to like pure sugar pretty instantly. much instantly <laughs> like from the moment it hits your mouth like literally as it's dissolving in your mouth <laughs> mm. so yeah refined carbs anything in a packet you really have to be mindful of even if they're presented as health foods to be honest and i mean i don't mind having me a gluten-free cracker every now and then yeah it's not the end of the world but it's kind of like breaking the habit of like relying on those foods every single day Mm. i Um, think it's just you know what your everyday diet lifestyle yeah is so yeah, completely fine. Have like gluten-free toast now and again with avocado. Yeah. Uh, have some gluten-free crackers or, you know, whatever your whatever yeah. your treat is, but I think when it's incorporated into like the daily routine, mm. you end up uh, in a bad place. And if you're not even gluten-free, like we're already talking about gluten-free, but if you're eating say cereals for breakfast mm. every day, like it's the same thing. It's just such a refined source of carbohydrate that ain't good for the gut. Not at all. And then our last habit is not eating enough fiber. So where do we start with this, Amy? So like a healthy gut, a healthy gut microbiome, right? Would like essentially be receiving fibers from whole foods, different types of fiber Mm. um, that feed different strains of bacteria, and they all inter, you know, interact and work together to fuel our bodies with, you know, vitamins and and all of that good stuff. So, I mean, fiber has so many positive effects for our digestive system. Mm. Although 
we'll talk about it maybe a bit later, but for some people that do have gut issues, mm. certain kinds of fiber can cause problems. Yes, but, because you get those imbalances. But, but for a healthy gut, we do need fiber. Yeah, we need fiber like to feed. Yeah, so it has those, those gut bugs. prebiotic effects, so it's going to feed up the beneficial bacteria so that they can thrive and be healthy. Mm. Um, it's also going to help just with our general motility. So well, certain types of fiber have a water drawing effect, so it draws water into the bowel and basically helps you well, have provides, a <laughs> Yeah, it provides bulk to the stool yeah. so that we have... <laughs> You know, like good quality poos that are easy <laughs> to pass. Yeah, and so you, um, and that um, yeah, really nourish our gut microbiome along the way because uh, our gut bugs eat a lot of the things that we can't digest, mm. which comes back to these fibers. Yeah. So I think as well we were talking about this just before. There's certain diet trends that are going on at the moment. Um, especially the ketogenic diet. And we are not, like, hating on the ketogenic no, diet. But we the like way, keto. The way that some people practice it, I think, could be quite detrimental for their microbiome. So where they're not eating a lot of fiber. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it comes back to, like, if you're doing the keto diet but you only got the memo on the butter and the bacon part, mm. um, which I see, like, a lot of uh, men yeah. quite into... And, you know, we're not against having some butter and having some bacon, but if you kind of forget the part of keto where you can eat, like, unlimited, or not unlimited, but, like, high amounts of mm. non-starchy vegetables. Yeah. Like, I think that's, like, I, I don't know what it is. Like, some people think that all vegetables are carbohydrate and that they're going to cause problems, but the net carbohydrates on a lot of different foods are quite low. So, like, a broccoli, you should be able to have some broccoli, some leafy greens. Yeah, well, essentially a good keto diet would incorporate a lot of um, non-starchy veg. Yeah. Um, obviously, you have to limit the amount of things like sweet potato, yeah, uh, those starchy. starchy vegetables that you can have without sort of crossing the carbohydrate threshold for that mm. diet and put yourself out of ketosis. But yeah, I don't know. I just I do see it a lot online that people are on the keto diet and they're really excited because they can eat all the fat. Mm. But then they forgot about fiber. And yeah. I'm not sure how they go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's just like one example. But obviously you can under eat fiber on any diet mm. if you're not mindful of eating, you know, enough plant foods. Yeah. So even on paleo, like. Well, I would say on that on half, paleo. Like that half a plate of steak kind of situation. Oh, it's horrifying. I see it sometimes <laughs> like. In the paleo hashtag on Instagram. It's the guys I'll just, I'll, too. It's a little scroll through there and be horrified. It's like a whole T-bone steak to one person with a, you know, a knob of butter on it and that's it. Yeah, like not much Half in the way a of slice veggie. of mushroom or something, you know. I feel like the correct way to do paleo is really where the vegetables are the main event. Mm. Yeah, and, and you have I mean, a bit of meat with it By as well. calories, the meat is going to be higher, you yeah. know, the, like the protein yeah. and fat by calories but when you look at it on your plate it should be like overwhelmingly full of veggie yeah because veggies kind of like fill you up and they don't have much calories but they've they got a lot the fiber of like and a lot of benefits. nutritional benefits yes for sure so yeah definitely um being mindful of fiber and not eating enough fiber yeah and i think that is the final habit that hurts gut health that we wanted to chat about today yeah. Have we got anything further to add, Amy? Uh, 
Um, so no new ones, but maybe just kind of quickly touching on the fiber piece. So people that don't tolerate different fibers. Okay. Specifically, I'm thinking of FODMAP people. Mm-hmm. Um, so certain types of FODMAP-y foods can cause digestive issues for people. We do talk about that a bit in Get Glowing Online, actually. Yeah. Um, so our online gut health course, we touch on that briefly. But yeah, it's just worth mentioning, I thought right at the end, that for some people, maybe eating fiber could cause problems in which case and that's because there is an underlying issue issue there it's so like one of the fodmapy foods would be like onion and garlic yeah Uh, and there's nothing wrong with onion and garlic it's a matter of actually going in there and healing that imbalance Uh, and that might be doing a low fodmap Mm. diet for a period of time not forever not forever that's a really common misconception is that i'm fodmap intolerant i can't eat Onions, at all. Garlic, like it, they're all off the table stuff. forever because I, I just don't yeah yeah like my like, body doesn't no like let's agree with that. really go in there and try and correct the problem so that you can tolerate fodmaps again yeah, as you should be able we should, to we should be able to eat like a good you know balanced plethora of natural foods without issues when yeah. our gut is working well so yeah that's sort of our final point on fiber and that is all so if you're really working on your gut health definitely go and check out the course yeah because we talk about this stuff at length like throughout all the course modules talking about how you can really build up your gut health what foods to include which foods to avoid lifestyle which is a huge Mm -hmm. uh, factor in gut health as well Uh, as well as lots of ideas for meal prep. We've got a meal plan in there that lasts Mm. for uh, a whole month, and then we have a maintenance plan after that. So we're just on the gut health train at the moment, (laughs) Amy. (laughs) And I'm quite focused on it too at the moment because I feel like third trimester of pregnancy, it's kind of your last chance to really get Mm. that gut. Get that microbiome on point back. (laughs) Give your baby a healthy microbiome. Yeah, and I mean, I think until recently it was thought that the baby's gut and everything is sterile until the time of Mm. birth, but I think it's actually developing earlier than that. So Mm. he probably already has, you know, developed... going on, but yeah. um, ...some level of his uh, gut flora, but yeah, the state of mum's gut health at the time of birth and throughout pregnancy is pretty important. Interesting fact as well, I heard that when you fall pregnant... The bacteria in your mouth Mm. and the bacteria in your placenta Mm -hmm. are like like your placenta is a reflection of the health of of your your mouth of your oral cavity. Oh, geez! So if you don't have a healthy mouth (laughs) at the time of having, like, of you know, creating your placenta and everything, it like plays into oral health. Yeah, there you go. So I mean gut health starts <laughs> at the mouth right <laughs> so yeah i'm like really into yeah, this at the moment of motivation i have the motivation and then it continues like you can't be bad after you have the baby either because then you're breastfeeding yeah and then you're passing on all of your uh, microbiome and mm. immune system stuff to train that baby up we'll have to do a whole episode on those topics as well at some point mm. so yeah if you want to join us for you know revamping your gut health definitely go and check that out um, before we close for enrollment because as we said not too sure when we're going to reopen get glowing online Mm. and we're really looking forward to this intake in july so 
Is that all we've got to say? I think that's everything that we have to cover today. <laughs> and if you enjoy this podcast, as always, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. We would also love to get a written review. Yeah, I was just talking to Beck about this earlier. I don't think we have any written reviews yet, so I would die for a written review. <laughs> like the excitement of going through them and being like, yes, someone wrote something. I know, and look... We know it's kind of a pain writing the reviews on iTunes because doesn't it make doesn't it make easy. it, they don't make it that easy. But if you could go to the effort of writing us a review, because we have gotten like the star rating reviews. Those are like nice and, and th- easy to do. Thank you to everyone who's done that. Yeah. But please, someone go the extra mile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure like whether we can offer bribes in respect <laughs> to the written review but it would be lovely if we could receive some written reviews they really help um or any kind of review really helps our podcast to reach more people uh and give people the confidence to actually click through and listen to an episode so if you really enjoy what we do here on the podcast please please leave us a review that would be really helpful and we will catch you in the next episode bye guys see ya